Like we want to do the hard things, but we don't often want to do the work. We're always looking for that shortcut. And, and look, there's, there's no shortcut to the top. Welcome to the Forging Metal Podcast with your blacksmiths, Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr. Come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden the up. Let's get to work. The Forge is now open. Uh, welcome, everybody, uh, to another version of the Forging Metal podcast. I'm really excited. Today, we're going to be talking with Kyle Kuhn. I met Kyle, I believe it was two years ago, out in sunny San Diego. I love that city. And we were doing a, a training camp with my former coach, Leslie Patterson, and her husband, Simon Marshall. And I got to, uh, and hopefully this doesn't sound strange, but I got to, to sweat and breathe hard with Kyle. I, mean, <laughs> I, I remember that he was quite the hard worker when we were we were doing those drills. And so hopefully maybe in the, later on in the podcast, we'll circle back to that. But right now I want to kind of kick it off with Kyle, for people that don't know you, you are currently training for the Olympics in, in triathlon. And that was supposed to be this year, 2020. And as, as everybody knows, COVID is, is kind of messed that all up. And, and, you know, in my mind, I think about training for four years for the Olympics and, and the, the amount of time and effort you got to put into that. And then all of a sudden it's delayed. And what, what's going through your mind and, and, and how are you handling the disappointment of that delay? Well, first of all, thanks, Ron and, and Tara for having me on. You know, to, to directly answer that question, for me, it was a, it's actually, a, it, it, it was a challenge knowing that, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the Paralympics were going to um, be postponed a year. But for me, specifically, I actually didn't start training um, until two years ago. And that's because my sport of visually impaired triathlon for the men's side was actually not on the Paralympic menu. You know, I, I got to, you know, March of this year and, you know, I was in some of the best shape of my, I was in some of the best shape of my life, even though I was coming off of two pretty bad injuries and in just the, in, in the previous six months. And, and I was, I was ready to, you know, to, to tackle, the, the 2020 season and under my spot to, to go to Tokyo. And then um, it was like the rug got pulled out from under us, but, you know, I, I stepped back with, with my coach and my guide and, and we, we looked at my situation. We were like, all right, I'm only, you know, four months, I'm only four months removed from recovering from uh, a serious back injury. And I'm only about four weeks from recovering from a serious hand injury maybe this was a good opportunity to get healthy and focus on some other training. So it was really, it was disappointing at, at the time, but it, it was also a great opportunity to, to pivot and, and look at the positives and, and see, okay, it's, it's just one year further down the road. That means one more year of, of training and one more year of getting healthy. Well, was that a difficult pivot, like mentally? I mean, how do you, do you just wake up one morning and say, well, this sucks, but you know what? Let's find the positive. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a big one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a big, it, it's, it's definitely a, a big pivot, you know, for, for, for me, I mean, I, I, I've had so many, you know, times where I've had to pivot in life that it was just another, 
you know, I just had that experience of, okay, well, this, this isn't, you know, this isn't happening. Let's, you know, just let's do the best that we can, or let's just, you know, my, my, my coach harps on me all the time. He said, you know, he's, he's like, don't do your best, just do better. Do, do the simple things better, you know, take, you know, take the simplest thing that you can do and, you know, work to master it, work to work to just get better at it little by little. And, you know, a lot of, you know, positive attitude or positive mindset or or something like that. That's, I mean, that, that's been a, a work in progress, you know, a year ago, uh, a year ago, if they had, they had, if, if the, the Paralympics Olympics had been, you know, 2019 and they had said, Oh, we're moving it to 2020. I might not have reacted the same. I I might've been a little more volatile, (laughs) but that's, that's not to say that I I didn't let fly a few choice four letter words and frustrations and and all that. But, you know, but, uh, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I I've, I've dealt with a lot worse in my life than, you know, than the Paralympics being pushed back by 365 days. Great mindset. You know, Kyle, Ron and I were both in Boulder County near Boulder in Colorado. And are you actually living at the Olympic Training Center now in Colorado Springs? I am. So I moved here to the Training Center in January of 2019. And this has been, I, I've basically lived here since then. I was in, I was in Florida gearing up for, gearing up for our, qual- for our, basically our, our Paralympic trials and 36 hours before, you know, our race was supposed to take place. They canceled the race. And then, you know, 24 hours later after that, they basically shut the country down and, and told everyone to, to get home. And so I, I came back to, to Colorado Springs and, uh, you know, <laughs> hung out for, hung out for a while, did, you know, trained the best, you know, the best we could with the lockdown situations, then went, you know, went home to my, to my, my family lives up in, in the Roaring Fork Valley, just, just, just down Valley from Aspen, Colorado. So I went, I went home for like five, six weeks to get away from the training center. But then, but yeah, now, now I'm, now I'm back, <laughs> back at it, you know, training full throttle and we got less than a year till Tokyo, and, you know, I is back on the prize. Give, give us a, an idea of what a, a typical training day looks like. Like how rigorous is that for people that have absolutely no idea what goes into training? <laughs> so for you know, now with COVID protocols and, and some of the stuff that we have to, we have to do, it used to be that we, we would start our, our, our day at about seven o'clock and we'd, we'd, be in the, we'd be in the pool and we'd swim for about 90 minutes to two hours you know, about two and a half miles of, of swimming. And then, then you usually would eat breakfast immediately after, usually wait about an hour, hour and a half, go get a, a 90 minute to two hour high intensity bike ride in. You might do a little run after the bike. Then you would try to eat something quick for lunch. And then three days a week, we would also throw in a, a gym session as well. So basically seven days a week where we're doing some type of, we're doing on average two to three workouts a day. So it's a full-time job. I mean, I, I, I technically, I guess, have a nine to five job. 
because all of my training is normally done by about five or six o'clock. Ron, you do triathlon. How does that, how does that land on you? You feel yeah, like, my, oh yeah, I got that. I can handle that schedule. My training, my training program wasn't quite that extensive. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I, I would complain about doing 15 hours a week of, of training. And I know, you know, elite athletes like Kyle, it's much higher. I, I get the sense, Kyle, that you, you kind of love this life. Would that be a fair assessment? I, I'm not saying that every day is wonderful, but, but I think you, you like that, that work. You like that, maybe that routine? Is that a fair thing to say? It's, it's definitely fair. I love, I love routine. You know, you know, everyone wants to do hard things, but it, it, when it comes to actually executing the heart, you know, getting to doing the hard things, a lot of the time we struggle with the, with the work that it takes to get to doing the hard things. So like, like we want to do the hard things, but we don't often want to do the work. We're always looking for that shortcut and, and look, there's, there's no shortcut to the top, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I, I've kind of taken the, the mindset of, look, if I want to, if I want to qualify for the Paralympics, represent my country on the, the biggest athletic stage that I can look, I gotta, I gotta be willing to, to dive into this and, and, and go at it full throttle. I got to be willing to, you know, to, to take the, the bad with the good and the good with the bad and, you know, just, just keep forging ahead. That, that's such a great, great soundbite. You, you know, I, I often say, you know, success takes time, you know, and, and there's no, no such thing as overnight success, even though the media likes to sell this idea that that, that is something that's real and it's not. And so I'm so glad that you said that. And I appreciate that message. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I get the question a lot of, you know, even during my training, people say, what do you do on those days when you're not motivated? You know, there was a lot of times in my training for, for Ironman where, you know, it was on the schedule to do the, the training session and I didn't want to do it. I was not motivated. And, you know, you just have those days. And so I always struggle with, well, I have, I have my thoughts on how I get through those days, but I'd love to, I would love to hear what you say, Kyle, how do you get through those days when you get out of bed and you say, you know what, I'm not feeling it today, but I also know I've got to do the work. I mean, what, what gets you through that when the motivation, you know, kind of deserts you, what, what then takes over? Look, we all have really hard days. Like we all have days where, you know, we're not, you know, we're not motivated, but you know, you know, I, I often, think about, okay, what is, you know, what does motivation actually mean? Well, all, all motivation means is a reason to move. So, or like a reason to take action. I, I try to remember, okay, why am I doing this sport? Why, why, why did I choose this, you know, this lifestyle, you know, back in, you know, 2000, you know, 14, 15, 16, you know, I was, I was semi athletic, but I, I was working a desk job at, at, you know, I, in, you know, at one point I was a, I was a call center agent. So I was sitting on my butt at a, in a cubicle for, you know, eight to 12 hours a day. And then, and then I worked for a branch of the, of, of the, of the department of the Navy in, in corporate operations for a little less than a year. And, and I was just like, I was so bored um, sitting just in a cubicle going through spreadsheets and, 
know, placing order, you know, placing massive orders of supplies or, or this and that. And, and I, I just, you know, I, I did not like the way my life, you know, where my life was going and I needed to, I needed to make a change. So I, I made that change, you know, picked my life up, quit my job, moved out to, moved out to Colorado. I was, I was living in Orlando, Florida at that time and moved out to Colorado. And, uh, you know, while I was looking for <laughs> employment out, out here, I, I, I just happened to, you know, just keep training and happened to progress quickly at, at the, the, the running and the cycling and the swimming thing. And, you know, just kept improving in the, the races that I was entering and eventually just, you know, I was like, man, I wonder if I can, you know, it was always a, a dream as a kid, like, oh, man, it'd be cool to be like a professional athlete. So it's like, man, I wonder if there's a way to, to make it work. I was having a lot more fun doing that than I was sitting in a cubicle for eight, 10 hours a day, you know, working for uh, working for a call center or working for the, the federal government. So, you know, and trust me, there are days that, you know, more, more often than not, I, I get up and I, I roll out of bed and I'm like, oh, I, I, I feel 82, not 28 today. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, why did I choose to do this sport? Do you ever go back and say, I could be behind that desk again? <laughs> it, I, and that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it's like, well, <laughs> I can go swim and see what I can do today. Or I can start putting my name back in, you know, on applications and, you know, go find another call center job. Before we move on from that, I, just to paraphrase that, it sounds like, Kyle, you're, you're saying revisit your why. I mean, why am I doing this? And, and, and that's kind of what gets you through those low points. Would, would that be a good way to kind of sum that up? Yeah, I, I, I'd say, you know, revisit your why or, you know, I, I say just keep an eye on your vision. So like your, okay. your vision is your vision is just look, why are you doing this? Like what's your overarch what's your overarching goal or your, you know, your, your the reasons why you are making the sacrifices that you are like what's what's that compass that's guiding you uh, along your path uh, of success. So. Kyle, I want to, when you're talking about vision and, and finding your why and, and what makes success, I actually want to back all the way up. And for a lot of our listeners, there's a part of this story that they haven't, haven't, they don't know. And I, if you're willing to talk about it, I, I want to ask you, I mean, you went from having vision to literally not being able to see anything. And that must have been quite the trial in and of itself when you were younger. Can you tell us that story and how did that even play in and lead into where you are today and what you're doing, which is incredible? Absolutely. So I, I, was, I was diagnosed with a rare form of eye cancer when I was actually only 10 months old. And I, I was diagnosed late. And the, the doctor that, that diagnosed me, he, you know, he sat my parents down and, and he, he basically said, look, like we think we can cure this cancer, but the only way we're going to save his life is if we remove his eyes. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a Friday afternoon. And, and, he, and he says like, all right, I've, and I've gone ahead and I've scheduled that surgery for Tuesday. And my, my parents were like, whoa, 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 slow down. But like, like rever reverse course here real quick. <laughs> you know, 
And I actually wound up going through, I think it was about five or six years of various types of cancer treatments. I went through radiation, chemotherapy, cryotherapy, thermotherapy. I, I did several experimental treatments. And I was one of those cancer patients that the, the cancer would actually respond really, really well to the treatment and like tumors would start shrinking and disappearing. And, you know, I, I, I still had some, some sight, but then the cancer would just come roaring back stronger than ever. And eventually my, my eyes were just so damaged by all of the treatment and the cancer just, you know, it just kept coming back stronger and stronger that my family just, you know, we basically had no, no choice, but to uh, remove my eyes. So when I was five years old, we, we uh, removed my left eye. And then, and then when I was six, we removed my right eye and, you know, going from, you know, I mean, I was technically visually impaired growing, you know, all those first six years of life, but, you know, I mean, I could still see well enough to you know, watch TV, play basketball, rollerblade, ride my bike, you know, run around, play with my friends, you know, you know, all, all this kind of, all that kind of stuff that, that kids do, you know, I mean, and then, you know, all of a sudden that, that gets taken away from you. And, you know, it was, it was hard, you know, as a kid, all, all you want to do is you're, you're just like, you know, can, can you just make me better so I can go outside and play with my friends? And, you know, that was, that was, it, it was really hard. You know, I, you know, I, I sit, I, I would sit in my, my room and, you know, I, I listened to my, my friends, you know, out in the, you know, out in the, out in the street playing basketball or rollerblading. And I'm like, man, I, there's, there's, there's no way I'm, I'm ever going to be able to, you know, join them or, or do anything like that ever again. But fortunately for me, I, I was connected. My, my dad was a member of, of a, of a rotary club and they had a, a man who came and spoke to the rotary club about his, his totally blind son who was an elite athlete. And my dad connected with, with, with this guy and, and was like, Hey, my, my seven-year-old son just went totally blind. You know, is there any way that we could somehow get your son and my son either together or, you know, talk on the phone or, or something. And, and, and so that was when I, I met a guy named Eric Weinmare, who, um, couple of years after I met him, he became uh, world famous for, for becoming the first totally blind man to climb Mount Everest. But at, at that time, you know, he was, you know, he was just, you know, people just viewed him as kind of this blind, evil, Knievel jumping out of airplanes and <laughs> rock climbing and you know, doing all kinds of stuff. But, but yeah, Eric, Eric and I, you know, we, we met and he just, he sat me down and was like, look, Kyle, just because you're blind doesn't mean you're, you're, you're helpless. Like, um, like, shoot, man, go, go, go play basketball. And like, you know, you know, learn to learn to do things a little differently. Think, think differently. Like you still got your ears, your nose, your, your mouth, like, like your hands, like, you know, just because you don't have your eyes doesn't mean you know, like all these other senses aren't working. So like, let's, let's get out there and just, and just think differently and problem solve. And so he, he challenged me to try out rock climbing. And I was just like, that just sounds totally crazy. When can I start? 
Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You got to do it now. Oh. <laughs> so I, I, so actually I, I did go on to, to do tons and tons of rock climbing. My, my whole family got into, got into rock climbing. My sisters and I actually climbed competitively on a, on a competitive climbing circuit. And, you know, that rolled over into just tons of outdoor adventure activities like camping and um, hiking and, you know, whitewater, you know, canoeing and kayaking and rafting and, you know, and then, you know, getting into tandem cycling and, and downhill skiing. And, you know, we just became, we became an outdoorsy family and, you know, just, and through all that, you know, I just, I just learned to, you know, I, I just, I learned to, to problem solve and to, you know, think a little differently, like, okay, well, this is how, you know, someone who's sighted does this. Well, how, what, what do I have available? And, you know, how can I improvise and adapt to, to, to accomplish the same, the same feat? I, I gotta, I gotta say, I hope people listening are, are envisioning in their mind what that's like. I mean, it's, it's scary enough to do rock climbing and downhill skiing and whitewater rafting with sight, right? I think a lot of us can say that. And Completely, I'm laughing as you're talking about Eric, who I actually had the pleasure of meeting back in 2003 myself when I was a rock climber. And I will remember my brother set it up at a rock climbing gym and he said, that's your new rock climbing partner over there. And I turned around and I about (laughs) fell over. I've read his book. He's just an amazing public speaker. He's great. But you imagine that this guy is going to be on the ground while you climb and he's in control of your life with a rope and he's blind. And that took a little bit for to get through to me, but gosh, he is one of the best rock climbers that I've ever climbed with. You, you talked about it a little, how do you make that decision? Is it just pure will? And you say, I'm not going to be limited to doing these things that even sighted people are, are afraid to do from time to time. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, it's just sheer force of will. Sometimes it's, yeah, no, I mean, as a, as a, as a kid, you wanted to, you know, I, look, I wanted to be the cool kid. Like, mm. you know, Hey, look, I mean, you know, I, I, you, you are I'll, the I'll cool free, kid. I'll, I'll, look, I'll free, I'll free, I'll freely admit it. I caved to peer pressure That's <laughs> great. for it. wanting, for wanting to, to do like cool stuff. Like, you know, you know, like, Hey, let's go jump off that waterfall. All right. Okay. <laughs> Point me in the right direction. <laughs> hopefully I don't die. No, no, look, I mean, sometimes it is, it is sheer force of will. Sometimes it's, it's wanted to be the cool kid. Sometimes it's, what can I do? What am I capable of, of doing? Can I, can I push the limits a little bit? What, you know, where are my limits? And then can I, is there a way I can expand them? Can I, can I push them a little farther? You know, it, it, I, I've always been one to, I, 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 I don't want to settle. I always want to push myself to be the best I can possibly be while not, you know, settling and, and giving up on, on something. So I, I don't want to, I've never wanted to be that person that doesn't give everything they have. I mean, whether that was in, in school or athletics I always, I always want to see what is possible. 
I, I, I'm drawn to something you said, Kyle, that I think you said it a couple of times. What do I have to work with? And I think that's such a great message for so many people that, you know, whenever you're facing challenges in life, it's easy to to kind of just give up and sit in the corner and say, well, I don't have what I need or it's not fair or, you know, any any number of I'm going to call them excuses. But I love that that you just say, you know what, what do I have to work with and, and how can I use that to my advantage? So I think that that's such a powerful message. I think that all of us could embrace as we're going through tough things in our, our lives. Let me let me kind of build on that a little bit. You know, you're probably familiar with, you know, the, the idea of post-traumatic growth. And for, for listeners that aren't familiar, it's essentially, I don't know if I would call it an opposite of, of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, but, but it's essentially something that, that you actually grow and get better. You actually improve from trauma. Would you say that as you sit here today, you maybe are, are a better version of yourself because of all the hard things you've been through? I mean, how would you characterize that? Have you grown from this? Oh, I absolutely think I've grown from, you know, from, from hardship and from, from experiences, but that's because I've, I've chosen to, you know, I I think the, I think the big difference in, you know, you know, post-traumatic growth, the, the, the thing that separates that from, you know, post-traumatic stress is in, in growth, we have the power to choose to grow, you know, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, like we're going to grow up, but as, as adults and, you know, and people that, you know, face adversity, face challenges, look, we, we do have, we have a choice. We can, you know, we can quit, sit down in the corner and cry boohoo. Oh, woe is me. Life isn't fair. We can try to, we can start picking the pieces up and putting our, ourselves together and, and climb a little bit, you know, a little way up the mountain and, and then reach a point where we're like, okay, this is, this is good enough. Or we can continue to push on up and, and see how, how, how high can we grow? How, how much can we grow from the experiences that we've had? And, and so I, I, I mean, I choose to do the third of uh, the third of those three options but that's not to say that I haven't done plenty of, plenty of, plenty of all three. I mean, there have been plenty of times where I've, I've sat down and, and, you know, banged my fists on the ground and, you know, cried, oh, woe is me. There's plenty of times where I've, I've camped out and been like, yeah, yeah this is good enough. But, you know, looking back over, over my life and, and some of the stuff that I've, I've dealt with, whether that be blindness or, you know, the, the, the you know, the, breaking up of a, of a relationship or, you know, the, the, the death of a guide dog or, you know, the, you know, the, you know, herniating a disc in my low back, you know, you know, five months before the most important, you know, triathlon of my, of my career or breaking my elbow, <laughs> you know, half, you know, during a, a bike ride halfway across the country or, you know, what, you know, whether, you know, you know, looking, looking back on all those, all those experiences, I mean, I, I, have chosen to, to grow from those and not, you know, and not settle and not let those things bog me down. And it, and it, it takes work. It takes a lot of hiccups. It takes a lot of stumbles. It takes a lot of falls. It takes, it takes a lot of quitting and, and getting back up and, and giving up and, you know, 
starting and restarting all over again. But you, again, it's just revisiting your why, keeping an eye on your vision. Kyle, you know, that may be the answer right there, but I do want to ask you, because we always wrap things up and ask one final question of all of our guests, which is with everything that people are going through right now, what advice do you have about what we're talking about here, which is mental toughness, resilience, and grit so that they can use it in their daily lives? Look, this is a really crazy world right now. And, you know, whether you want to call it mental toughness, resilience, or grit, look, you have, like, we all have choices in our, in our lives. And every single one of us, we can choose to, you know, blame the government, you know, we can choose to blame medical professionals. We can choose to to blame, you know, the young, crazy college kids, or we can choose to look at all of our situations and say, okay, what do I have available? What can I do to help myself and the, and the people that I, I love around me? Why do I do what I do and how, how can I pivot? How can I improvise? How can I adapt and to overcome these, these challenging times. And yeah, all the, the, the simple answer is why do we do this? And let's keep an eye on our overarching vision. And when we get laser focused on that, the path will become clear for, for all of us. We've all got the power to, to choose and, and forge our own path forward. It's not gonna be easy, but we've got that power I'm looking forward to having the, the journey of a lifetime with, with everyone that chooses to come along with, with us on that particular journey. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. If you didn't, let's just forget this happened and we'll try again next week. Until then, join the revolution to forge metal and connect with us on social media. Thank you.